What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 97 of the podcast, and what we're going to do today is bring on an expert in the horse racing field. His name is Dan Torgeman, and he can be found as a correspondent at AmericasBestRacing.net. Dan is going to drop a knowledge bomb today on how to prepare, how to approach the 144th running of the Kentucky Derby, which is in just over one week's time at Churchill Downs in Kentucky. Naturally, I guess that's a bit redundant given that it's called the Kentucky Derby, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. What we're going to do then is revisit this conversation with Dan late next week, and he's going to lay out all of his best bets for you as we get set for Saturday's Run for the Roses. But for right now, let's jump in with your primer, your betting primer, for the 144th Kentucky Derby. He's a correspondent at AmericasBestRacing.net, and he's joining us now to talk about the 144th Run for the Roses, also known as the Kentucky Derby. Dan Torgeman joining us here on the Sharp 600. Dan, let's start with this. Good morning, man. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing really well. It's uh, it's Derby season, best time of the year in horse racing, and if you love betting and 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 you know having some action, nothing better than than year. This is the race that probably sees more betting activity than any other because it's the race that attracts the most public attention. But as a result, how how much more complicated is it to bet the Derby versus other races? Because when you have a twenty horse field, there are a lot of X factors in play. Oh, there's so many variables. Like you just nailed it right there. So there, there are a certain number of variables that you can actually see on paper by looking at the past performances. Then there are variables that you're not going to find on paper. You're only find if you watch race replays, which is, as you can imagine, each one of these horses has had three or four prep races. So you multiply that by 20 for all the runners in the field, and you're having to watch all these replays um, from you know all over the country. Then you're comparing the surfaces of each of those racetracks, the way each race was run, uh, how the pace unfolded for each race, whether any of the, the horses encountered trip trouble or any obstacles that might have impeded their uh, performance ultimately. And then you're saying, all right, let me take all that information, put it all into one bucket, shake it up, and then hopefully pull out one horse who makes the most sense. Uh, and it's an extremely difficult process, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, too. Um, and it gets even more fun next week when you really start uh, picking up on some of the buzz around Churchill Downs when, when all the, the horses arrive. And some of them have arrived already, but really when all of them get there and they've all been on the track and, you know, all the, uh, all the beat writers and everybody else start, you know, commenting on what they're seeing. And uh, it, it just gets to be a lot of fun. But as you said, it's extremely challenging as well. Now, you and I are going to speak later next week. We're going to get put together a more definitive list of bets and, and concepts when you're attacking the 144th Kentucky Derby. But let's, uh, let's begin with this element. Imagine I'm as inexperienced when it comes to betting horses as humanly possible. I just like to watch the Derby, and I maybe like to go to an OTB to fire a wager. But I'm willing to put in 15 or 20 minutes of research when it comes to the daily racing form. What should I be looking at? What two or three key pieces of information are are worth the most, in your opinion? That's a great question. And really, it boils down to two things. A, first of all, have you identified a budget? How much do you want to bet? And once you've identified that budget, being realistic about the kind of bets you may, you want to make 
And so from there, you can then look at the past performance and say, okay, look, I'm looking at, at the daily racing form here or whatever uh, you know, program you use to say, you know, look, I have this budget. So realistically, I'm only looking for one horse or two horses or three horses. If you have a big budget, you could go crazy with it. But for simplicity's sake, let's just say you're looking for a winner. You're looking for one horse. You want to pick a horse who has a good shot. I think what you're going to want to look for, you mentioned the daily racing, racing form in particular. So the DRF has buyer speed figures. They're in big, bold numbers. And they're an indication, really an all-encompassing indication of what that horse's prior performances were like. So you look at those numbers, you weigh those. You then look at, for example, you know, who, has, who has accomplished most to date? Who has won what, what are called graded stakes races? Who has won these big prep races coming in? And who has run well in those prep races? And you could find that pretty easily just by looking at the program. You can look at the most recent race or most recent couple of races and see how well they've done against competition that's either going to be similar to or, or feature some of the exact horses that they're facing in the Kentucky Derby. So you have a lot of horses that are facing each other again. Presumably, if they faced each other two or three times already um, and one horse has come out on top each of those times, a pretty good indication that you could, you could put an X through the horse or the horses that have been losing those races. Um, so then that allows allow you to narrow it down to about four or five horses. Once you get to that point, it really becomes a lot of instinct um, and, and just sort of basic knowledge. You look for the best trainers who, who, who do well in these races year after year. The Bob Baffert to the world. You know, Todd Pletcher won this race last year. He's won it twice since 2010. He's a guy that you look for. Um, and, you know, you look for some, some of the veterans, the pros, the Mike Smiths of the world, the John Velasquez in terms of riders. Um, all those things come into play, and I think those are simple things that you can look at in a racing form and say, hey, you know what? I kind of like this horse. He's trained by, by Todd Pletcher. Um, that's enough for me. Those are all positive signs. And I think you've got yourself a starting point for making a bet in the Derby. How strong and diverse is this year's field versus previous year's field? Do you see several possible champions coming out of this? Or maybe is it a weaker field than what we've seen in the past? Um, I, I think it's an extremely open and tough field. Just got off of a conference call. So, for example, a conference call with some, some racing trainers and, and people who have horses in, in the race. Um, for example, Bob Baffert has a favorite in the race. He has a horse named Justify, who, uh, you know, a lot of the pundits are saying is, is untouchable. They, they say Justify is going to win. He's a beast. He's a freak of nature. Same kind of stuff they said about American Pharaoh. They're saying about this horse Justify. Bob Baffert on the conference call, first person to tell you, look, this thing, there are so many variables. There's a post position that still needs to happen. There's quality in this field. There are a lot of horses here who have run extremely well. This is not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. So Bob Baffert has, you know, uh, is concerned, knowing what he knows and having the success that he's had over the years. If he isn't confident, uh, fully confident that this is going to be a runaway, I don't think anyone else handicapping it should be. And look, if there's one race during the year where you don't want to take chalk, you don't want to take a short price, it's Kentucky Derby. You're looking for value. You want to be the person who picked that horse at 15 to 1 or 20 to 1 or 30 to 1. And even if they don't win, you can bet them to win place, you know, to finish first or second or win place and show, finish first, second or third. There's so much money being bet into this race. You can make money, um, you know, again, playing it safe even. If you do find that one horse is a little bit of a long shot, you can get paid. Uh, even if that horse doesn't win. So that would be my approach looking at this race. Let's talk about that. Obviously, there's still a lot to be determined based on next week's draw, but who are some of the, shall we say, long shots that might be worth the play come post time? 
Yes, I've already mentioned Todd Pletcher. Todd Pletcher has four starters in this year's race, which is outrageous when you consider that each year there, there are twenty or 25,000 horses that are born in the U.S., and only 20 of them make it to the Kentucky Derby, and you're, you have 20% of the field. It's pretty outrageous. So uh, one of his horses in particular that's become a little bit of a buzz horse is a horse named Dino Rosso. Dino Rosso won his last race in New York, one of the big prep races called the Wood Memorial. But prior to that, he was kind of under the radar. He shipped into Churchill Downs. He looked great in the morning. He looks good you know, working out. And, you know, word is he's a horse that's trending upward. So he's one who may not go off as a short price. He's not going to be a favorite like Justify will be. But he'll be in that second or even third tier of horses where you may get a better price on him. So he's one to keep an eye out for. There's another horse there's perhaps not as much buzz around. His name is Flame Away. Flame Away is a speed horse. And the thing is, with speed horses, they usually don't have a good time of it in the derby because there are usually at least three or four, sometimes five speed horses. And what do they do? They beat each other up on the front end. They end up fading, and then one of the closers comes and wins. But this year, there were really only two or three bona fide speed horses, and one of them scratched this week, a horse named Quip. So he's not going to run in the race. And since he's not running, it's now left a flame away and a horse named Promises Fulfilled. There's a huge long shot. So the two of them, though, just kind of have it to their own up front. And if they don't beat each other up too badly, presumably one of them might benefit from the defection of Quip. I like Flame Away a lot. He's a horse that I've seen in person uh, running in prep races in Tampa Bay and also in Kentucky. And uh, he's just all heart. And he's a horse that you're probably going to get about 25 to 1 on. But he's one I'd keep an eye on as well. How much do jockeys matter, and which ones are the ones we should be specifically paying attention to? That's a great question. You know, on most days, if you go to the racetrack, I would tell you, you know what, don't let jack- jockeys be, like, a huge factor. You know, don't, don't let that really influence your, your betting too much. Um, the same sort of applies to the Derby, but to a lesser extent. And what I mean by that is that if you're riding a horse in the Kentucky Derby, the odds are you're a pretty good jockey. And if you're a pretty good jockey, you're not going to make the kinds of mistakes that you know jockeys who are not as good might make. So at the end of the day, you're getting the cream of the crop in terms of jockeys riding in this race, but I still would give a slight edge to jockeys, for example, like Mike Smith, who have had success over the years. Now, Mike Smith, for example, has only won one Kentucky Derby, but he's won stakes race after stakes race after stakes race. They call him Big Money Mike because he runs, he rides his best races in big races. So anytime, anything Mike Smith is on, take a close look at, and he happens to be unjustified. Um, Don Velasquez, another guy that I, that I mentioned a few moments ago, won the Derby last year with Always Dreaming. Also prior, prior, uh, prior to that, won the Derby with Animal Kingdom. He's a guy who's won this race twice. He's a veteran. He's a pro. You know, ice in his veins. He's another one you got to look at. And another one looking for his first Derby, but who's recognized as one of the best jockeys in the country is Javier Castellano. So those are three names that you know that those three guys will not fold under the pressure of the Kentucky Derby, whereas if you look through the program, you might find a jockey or two. I don't want to call anyone out, but you might find a jockey or two who are in their first or second Kentucky Derby who might make a mistake, who might feel a little bit of pressure uh, having you know not been in this spot before. Before I let you go, and we're not going to hold you to this because we want to see the draw next week, and then we'll visit each other again on this podcast, and we'll come up with some official plays but if you were making picks today just based on the information you knew or you know now, how do you see it? Do you have three in a row that you might be able to throw our way? 
Yeah, look, if you're going to put out a top three, I would be, you know, absolutely foolish to not tell you to include Justify. Um, I'm going to try to structure my ticket so that, um, you know, in the event that he loses, I still have a chance to cash a big ticket. But I'm going to include him in combination. So Justify, you're going to certainly want to include in the mix. Another one that I like is Bendelson. Bendelson's a horse shipping in from Dubai, of all things. But he won his last race by 18 and a half lengths. Um, for for reference, Secretariat won the Belmont by 30 lengths. It's like the most iconic race in horse racing history. That doesn't happen. It also doesn't happen that horses at three years old win their prep races by 18 and a half lanes. So Mendelssohn is a horse to keep an eye on. And then if I were to mention one other horse who I haven't mentioned yet, Good Magic. He's a horse who won a big race last year uh, for two-year-olds called the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And then that propelled him into the picture as one of the leading candidates this year. He's had some struggles this year, but I think he's rounding into form, and he should be uh, a solid play on Derby Day. So Good Magic would be the third horse that I would tell you to take a closer look at. Excellent stuff. He's a correspondent for AmericasBestRacing.net, and he's going to visit with us again next week to get you dialed in for the 144th Run for the Roses. Dan Torgeman joining us here on the Sharp 600. Awesome stuff, Dan. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good one. Look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you, my man. It was a pleasure. Talk soon. That's a wrap for episode 97 of the Sharp 600. A special shout-out to Dan Torgeman for joining us here on the podcast. We appreciate the insights. We will revisit this conversation with Dan next week as we get you guys set for the best bets heading into the 144th Run for the Roses. If you haven't done so already, our usual reminder to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It would mean the world to us. It is a big help. But for now, everybody, be well, have a great weekend, and best of luck.